0: It's essential to understand our role as good stewards when it comes to money. But what about when it comes to our health? That is what we are talking about today on the Catholic Money Show. Welcome back to this episode of the Catholic Money Show. I am excited for you today to listen to this conversation almost as much as I am to have this conversation um, because we're going to be talking about not money directly, but something that is parallel and runs very closely alongside money and has a lot of similar components to it, um, both in our everyday real life, but then also in how it touches our faith. And I have special guest, Jessica Castillo from A Thriving Catholic with me today to talk about how being healthy is good stewardship, just like managing your money is good stewardship. So thank you, Jessica, for joining me on The Catholic Money Show.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Would you mind, before we dive into unpacking this conversation of just how parallel, really, um, money and health can kind of be compared side by side, just giving a little bit of a background on you and just kind of your own journey and then how you got started with A Thriving Catholic.
1: Sure. So I am actually a West Point graduate and a former Army officer. So my background is in the military And when I was in the army, like it it was, I got very interested in health and wellness and how to like enhance performance by, Mm -hmm. you know, sleeping well, eating well, moving well. Like these were really um, exciting for me to dive into. But then I also met my husband and, well, started dating my husband, who was the first practicing Catholic I'd ever really known. And so, Through my relationship with my husband, I started going to RCIA. I converted to Catholicism. And like that was so pivotal because now I had this spiritual formation that I had never had before. And it just seemed really like so congruous with what I was learning about taking better care of my body. And so for Mm. me, like, and You know, honestly, the two have always seemed to go together so beautifully, like health and wellness and spiritual uh, formation and growth. Like they just seem to go together so well. So when I was considering like, okay, it's time for me to get out of the army. We wanted to start a family. I was like, what am I going to be when I grow up? Like, what do I want to do? So I started going to I actually started a master's in holistic counseling because I thought I'd like to be a counselor. And the idea of doing something holistically, I was like, yes, we're going to be, you know, working with the whole person. We're going to take care of this, you know, body, mind, soul composite. We're going to take care of everything at one time. And so I found a Catholic university that was going to be near where we were stationed next. My husband stayed in the army and I got out. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to be at this Catholic school. I'm going to do this degree. And I very quickly realized that it was super new agey. Like Mm. when most people talk about holistic or even wellness, what comes into it is like so much new ageism. And so even though it was a Catholic school, it was like, like so far removed from our faith tradition. And so I was like, well, this isn't, this isn't right for me. And so I dropped out of that program and like Really, it was a series of trial and error and experiments over the intervening years. Like I knew I had this passion. Mm. I knew this was something I was interested in. I knew it was something that could help a lot of people. But I just didn't really see, like I didn't know that there was any way that you could actually incorporate this into something you did for a living. So (laughs) it wasn't until, um, it was actually like shortly after the birth of my third daughter that I was really struggling with a lot of like postpartum depression and just I had really let my own health habits really slip because mm. I felt like I wasn't fulfilling my mission like I felt like God was calling me to something that I wasn't fulfilling and I felt just like, super unsatisfied in my life and You know, I always think of that quote from St. Thomas Aquinas where he said, you know, man cannot live without joy. So when we're deprived of true spiritual pleasures, true spiritual joy, we turn to low and earthly comforts. And so that was totally happening to me. Like I was drinking way too much. I was eating junk food. I was not praying. I was not working out. I wasn't doing any of the things that I knew were like Mm. my health, my wellness. Um. And so I was really like in kind of this downward spiral and thanks be to God, you know, during this time I had kind of a wake up call where it was like, I'm ruining everything, (laughs) like my relationships, my family, my relationship with God, my spirituality. And so, you know, I started taking these steps again that I knew, like I had already known like what I needed to do to care for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just started again and it was, you know, it honestly doesn't take that long to to turn a lot of things around when you're like focused on doing it. And within a few months, I was, I was feeling so much better. Like I was happier. I had lost a lot of weight. I was back to basically where I started though. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, here we are again. I'm back in good health. And now what? Like I've got this energy. I've got this clarity. I've got this vitality, but like What are you actually calling me to do with it? Because if I don't do anything with it, I'm just gonna like, you know, go down the same path again. And it and it was really during this time that I felt very clearly drawn to starting a thriving Catholic. And so like the idea for it really just came almost fully formed into my mind in prayer one day. It was like, well you can help other women, other Catholic women optimize their health and find their mission and do what what they're created to do. And like that idea just really captivated me. And of course it was from there that I actually realized that there is a job (laughs) that that incorporates these things. I didn't know coaching existed or it was a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I ended up, you know, getting certified as a health coach and yeah, just really everything I've done with a thriving Catholic from that point has been this integration of you know taking care of your bodies for a reason for a purpose and integrating it with our Catholic spirituality.
0: Mm. So many things that you had mentioned there, I could be a podcast episode in and of themselves. Um, but what I really want to focus on, I guess, first here is what you said um, about wanting to approach this. You know, optimizing your health. You personally, and then teaching others for a purpose, for something other than just wanting it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure you're, you know, it's for the glory of God and for the service of whatever He's calling you to next. And how that is such a it a contrast from what our culture does in pursuit of health, um, and what you saw in that New Age program. And sometimes it's interesting, like you might be able to look at two different women. Living a healthy lifestyle. And they could look very similarly from the outside if you were looking in, you know, almost like a fishbowl. But the purpose and the underpinnings from which they're doing it from could be so radically different. One rooted in the new age and self um, satisfaction and ego, and then the other one rooted in service, humility, and for the glory of God. And it matters. And we often see that in personal finance too. You know, you look at somebody from the, the fishbowl from the outside and you see them budgeting or investing, um, and they could be doing it for wildly, wildly different reasons. But the reasons matter.
1: Mm-hmm. The reasons
0: underneath matter. And as Catholics, we need to have formation on how to take care of our bodies how to take care of our minds, how to take care of our finances, how to take care of our families from the right reasons. Our culture is oftentimes giving us smoke and mirrors and things that will inevitably fall apart on us. But if we have the right reasons underneath our actions, it'll keep us going forward and and moving towards that virtue. Um, And so I just, I love that you noticed that right away and how this was not going to be something that ultimately served you or anybody else. And you- trialed and errored in a new direction, searching for something really connected to the core, to the real purpose. Um, so thank you for sharing your story. And something that I, a question I have for you is this idea of our physical health and our spiritual health um, and just how you see these two things as connected. Um, you know, as Catholics, we have a very long tradition and we have lots of different saints and different saints at different times kind of pummeled themselves <laughs> yeah. you know, well health-wise. And sometimes I look back and I think, was that just imprudence and God used it? Or, you know, because then now, you know, as we dive deeper into theology of the body, we're seeing, you know, how maybe some of those things aren't as good, a little bit always good, but to the to the drastic um, point of nearly killing yourself. Hmm. Maybe that wasn't actually good for their spiritual health. Um, how do you approach and see these things?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so interesting that you bring that up because I I think about that often too. Um, well, one one thing I will say is like, is it any more difficult to like I don't know, self flagellate at As it is to like maybe avoid alcohol and sugar. You know, both are difficult things, Mm. but one thing is actually going to be building your body up and making you better. Um, And one thing is just like it's inflicting a lot of pain. And I don't know like what God might have been calling people to do at different times and different points in history, but like I do believe that the better physical health we're in, because we are, you know, this body soul composite, right? And so Mm -hmm. we really cannot ignore that there's a physicality to our humanity and so you know if your body is for you know for instance if you're in chronic pain if you're super fatigued all the time if you're dealing with some you know depression or anxiety or you're dealing with these things that are physical they're in your body that's going to affect how you're approaching your prayer how you're approaching your spirituality And on the flip side of that, when you're in really good physical health, when you're when your brain is firing on all cylinders, when you're feeling that that energy, like that abundant energy and vitality, that's when you can approach God in prayer and be like, "Okay, I am I am an instrument in your hands. Like, what do you want to do with me and this energy and this like recognizing that it's a gift? It's a gift from God. And like, yes, like. With stewardship, yeah, there are things that you can do to steward your body and take really good care of your body. But ultimately, it's all a gift. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what when you are more physically able to bring yourself more fully to God. And that's not to say that, like, you know, for people who are dealing with chronic conditions or chronic pain, you know, that it's like their fault, because of course, God can use that too. Mm -hmm. So, really, it's just coming to this point where you're like, okay, if I'm in good health and I've been a good steward of my body, God's going to use that. If through no fault of my own and not because of my neglect, I'm dealing with some other chronic health condition, God can use that too. So it's like just bringing it all, like whatever it is to to God to be used.
0: Mm -hmm. And I enjoy how you pointed out the difference between maybe self-inflicting Um, additional penances on oneself. I mean, certainly there's a time and a place where something like that might happen. I mean, even the church has seasons where we're invited to do a little bit more, maybe like a Lent. But something that we almost always can do is kind of militantly go after those appetites, um, for things that don't really help us or help us serve others but we just want them <laughs> you know yeah, like you that's mentioned right. um, that's those are the, those are the really hard deaths to actually go after sometimes it's almost easier to come up with some blanket um you know diet or whatever you're gonna do instead of you know choosing the right thing all the time mm-hmm. um those other things can almost be like a, a mask where we don't have to actually confront some of those things inside of us that um, we don't have a handle on. And so we can practice kind of that penitence all the time, but sometimes that's the harder route. Um, It reminds me of something St. Jose Maria Escriva said in The Way. I don't know if you've read it. It's a tiny little book of (laughs) reflections, but he said something to the effect of like, if we don't have some sort of of penance at every single meal we sit down to, even in like the small ways, maybe holding back a little bit on the salt, we've done the meal wrong. You know, and so in the Christian life, we can do things that are continuing to build us in virtue, but not harming us. And other people don't always have to see those and notice them. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I really like to like bring up and mention to you is like just because something is, uh, I mean, in some ways a little bit penitential, Or even like you said, that meal might have a little bit of penance. That doesn't mean that there's also, that there's not also a lot of joy in it. Um, You know, there's so much to be grateful for. And, you know, I really love to help my clients see that, like, when we embrace this lifestyle, it's not a lifestyle of deprivation. It's not like, oh my gosh, I can never do these things. It's like, no, you can totally, you're a grown up, you can choose, you can do whatever you want. But you can also choose while you're like, for instance, you know, in this Lenten challenge I'm running right now, like we're not having gluten, sugar, dairy or alcohol. And that's a choice that we're making um, for a number of reasons. But it's like we could focus on all the things that we can't have. We can focus on all of the deprivation or we can choose to focus our energy and our gratitude on all the the great things that we do get to have and all the Mm -hmm. wonderful food that we are eating and all the nourishing things that you can have and that God is giving you for your body. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think that there's kind of this... like misconception with catholics especially when we're doing penance that like and even during lent it's like uh you know you're doing penance you should be like sad but like Jesus said no he said like get up and wash your face and like don't let everyone see that you're fasting you know it's it's mm-hmm. between you and god like that that yeah. struggle
0: and i think that you know the secret of the saints even in all of that is um they understand the gospel correctly in that when we leave a gap Or in need, unfulfilled, or we leave something open, nature abhors a vacuum, and as so does the Holy Spirit. So he fill, he will come and fill that if we ask him. Mm -hmm. And so then, any sort of self denial or maybe doing something for a better purpose or a reason, um, he comes in and fills in that and brings that joy. And not only now is this allowing us to have that increased capacity for, for mission and for saying yes to him, but we're actually flooded with joy ourselves yeah. because we didn't just deny just to kind of beat ourselves up. It mm-hmm. was for a purpose. And then he comes in and fills that and gives us the grace and, and the joy. So and of thank you grace for,
1: builds, you know, grace builds on nature, right? So like, mm-hmm. you know, just from a purely physical scientific perspective, like When you cut inflammatory foods, when you cut sugar, when you're changing the way that you live your life, naturally, you're going to have increases in dopamine and serotonin and like these happiness um, hormones that are going to be flooding you with like a physical natural joy. So why not just supercharge it and also invite the Holy Spirit to bring his joy and fill in Mm -hmm. those gaps too? It's like, so it's just a two-pronged attack. For yes. living this very joyful, fulfilling life, mm,
0: absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that the grace and the nature. I mean, God is the one who made our bodies, and so That's if we, you, you know, the, yes. I feel like the the more and more um, we learn about our bodies. And, you know, science is revealing new things. We're constantly learning, right? We There's They're still at. even unexplored areas of, of our bodies, particularly us as women and just our hormones and all the things. A lot of room to grow in that. But the more we do know, it gives us an opportunity to work in tandem with that. And if mm-hmm. we couldn't, if we wouldn't, why wouldn't we? Yeah. You know,
1: exactly. To yeah. To
0: steward exactly what it is that we do know about our bodies. Again, not in the, not in like a, so that I can, you know, biohack myself to stay young forever just because I want to look hot <laughs> but because I want to make sure I'm working in cooperation with what God gave me so that I can give that deep fulfilling yes to him and whatever he asks um so I know that we had talked a little bit about before this just about the parallels between health and money and yeah. how being healthy is almost like you know just being a good financial steward. And there's a couple ways that you can kind of tease those two things out. Would you mind diving into what what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I think the first thing, like we've already kind of alluded to, is that both are meant to be used for something. So like if you're a really good steward of your money and you have savings or you have a surplus or you've got, you know, more money in a month well, that's just not, it's not like for you to be like Scrooge McDuck swimming in your (laughs) pool of money, right? There's a purpose for that money. There's a purpose Mm -hmm. for that, for that surplus. And I feel like it's the same way with our physical health. Like one of the things that I'm so passionate about helping women get to is where they have this more energy and this more vitality. And it's like, okay, but like, what are you going to do with it? Like now you've got it. Are you going to volunteer in your parish? Are you going to, you know, be more present to your children and your spouse? Are you going to discover what your unique charisms are? And mm-hmm. now you have the energy and the capacity to like do something with it. So it's like, it's not just meant for us to be like, oh my gosh, I feel so good today. Ooh, feels mm-hmm. good to feel this good. You know, it's like, well, what are you going to do with that? You know, yes. it's meant to be yeah. used. Not
0: to squander the gift, but actually put it to service.
1: Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think another like parallel that's just like so striking to me is that a lot of times people are afraid about both money issues and health issues. So for a lot of things, like it's very easy for us to like put blinders on and try to ignore like a poor financial situation because it's so scary. We're like, oh my gosh, I cannot Mm. deal with money. This is scary. I'm going to now go binge Netflix instead. And like, Literally, the same thing happens with people's health. We might be like, oh man, I'm kind of feeling this chronic fatigue and pain, but like, I don't want to address it because Mm. there could be something actually wrong and it's scary and I don't want to deal with it. And so we can be afraid and it can like paralyze us into inaction.
0: Mm. Yes. Oh, we see this all the time. Just, it's almost like the scary closet. Right. You don't you know there's something in there, but you don't wanna open it. But oftentimes when people do open it and they turn the light on, there was only a couple dust bunnies and like one box to deal with. You know, there really wasn't the overwhelming insanity that they had imagined there to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Or it's not as hard as you think it's gonna be. Because yes. I guess that a lot too. People are often like well, my health is not a priority for me right now because it's going to be too hard. I don't have the bandwidth to deal with it. It's just mm. another thing. So it's not top of my priority list. My business is, my family is, my whatever. And it's yes. like, well, yeah, like I don't think your health should be your number one priority either. My health is not my number one priority. I think it's what you, it's a tool to be used, yep. of course. Um, but at the same time, when people start actually unpacking and being like, well, what could I do? to improve my health. They're like, "Oh, it's just actually these kind of small tweaks. It's like really not overhauling my entire life." And it's like, "Okay. Yes. Yeah, you can you can do this and it doesn't need to take over your entire life or mm-hmm. you don't have to have like nothing else going on until you can start addressing some of these concerns."
0: Yes. I think that there's I forget the name of the principle. I'm not going to be able to remember it right now. It's not available in my brain right now. But essentially it's like that that, that learning curve, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, even though it might not be very steep at all, sometimes um, as adults our brains shut down when we see that there is any sort of learning curve. We shut down and want to run in a different direction because you're right. We we over we perceive it to be overcomplicated, overwhelming. Kind of these in, intense words. We just we dramatize it, mm-hmm. um, and then. We stay in a state of inaction or ignoring, while whatever it is continues to just get worse. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I know I'm I'm guilty of it in so many different ways. Maybe it's a house project. You know, I hate house projects. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are so good at them, but then when you finally get it done, you realize, oh gosh, that was only about 15 minutes of reading instructions and 20 minutes of action, and now I've moved on with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's an element of Learning that that's just part of us as adults that we want to resist and we want to go ahead and take more time than would even it would even take to just learn the new skill to talk about why we can't do it and convince ourselves out of it instead of just saying,
1: yep, this is just part of it. I'm My brain's not going to like mm-hmm. it, but we're going to move forward. And that goes back to like the whole growth in virtue too, you know, about how growing and like taking care of your bodies, how taking care of your money, how this is all growth and virtue, because you do have to kind of use your intellect and will and yeah. kind of overcome that natural human inclination to say like, no, I'm going to use my fortitude. I'm going to use my prudence to make a decision. I'm going to overcome this like resistance I'm feeling. This is going to require perseverance. It's going to require. And so this is how you grow in virtue and just mm-hmm. these very simple everyday experiences of your life
0: amen amen I love that okay so something else that you had mentioned was this idea of um, good stewardship you know we talk a lot about good stewardship in the parable of the the good steward in scripture you know it's a parallel that is talking mostly about the faith and stewarding the gift of our faith but it's something that can echo out, into basically anything that the Lord gives us, certainly our money. Um, and we talk about how we're, it, we're called to give back to God with increase. That's what the good steward did. He took what was entrusted to him by, by the master, increased it, and gave it back. You know, Not only what originally was given, but now this exponential magnified version of it. Um, And how we can do that with our money? Not necessarily like God wants wants to give us a ten dollar bill and He wants us to give Him back a hundy. That's not necessarily what He wants. He wants us to put that to work and to to use in the kingdom. How do you see that idea of good stewardship or giving back to God with increase in our health?
1: Yeah, well, I think the the really obvious parallels is that our bodies are a gift too. You know, like the very first gift that God gives us is our body. Mm. And every way we're going to experience this world, like this side of heaven, is going to be through our bodies, like through our physical senses, through our, you know. And so obviously, like, and and there's so much we can do, like, to care for our bodies, to take, you know, and we know this, like most people know. You know what you could be doing to be taking better care of your body. But I think that most of the time, like you said, it's from our very secular perspective, it's like we can slip into I need to eat this way because I need to lose weight or I need to eat this way because I'm ashamed of how my body looks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a really different shift. It's like a really different mindset when you can approach it from the fact that your body is good. Your body is a good gift from God and you're grateful for your body. You're grateful to God for giving you this like, ability to experience the world through your body. And now it's like, well, I'm going to show my gratitude for this gift by taking good care of it. It's like you would not receive like a nice gift and then you just like throw it in the floor and like, you know, put your shoes on it or something like you take care of what's important to you. And, you know, so when we approach our bodies as stewards of our bodies, we also recognize that like you know, we're going to die. Like this body, mm-hmm. not forever. And I think that, <laughs> you know, sometimes I think too that like in the health and wellness space, like if you were talking about like biohackers or like, and, and I love the word biohack. I don't know why, I just do. I just love the idea of working smarter and not harder and like, I don't know. Yes. But it still comes down to this idea of like, I am not going to live forever and I am not going to be young and strong forever. I'm not even that young now. It's just in my head that I'm young. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, I know that one day I might not be very physically capable at all. You know, I know that one day, like this body is going to age and decline, but I also know that there's so much that I can do in this gap of my life from birth to death to maintain my body as well as I can so Mm -hmm. that I'm, you know, first of all, you live a longer life that way yeah. most of the time, unless like there's an unforeseen accident or something. Sure. But, you know, it's like the whole, my whole life long now, I'm going to be able to, to with this body, do actual legitimate work that God has given me to do, whether that's physical work or whether that's, you know, more intellectual work or whether that's just the work of raising my children and grandchildren. Like, there's something that i'm going to be doing through this body until the day i die um and i want to take like the best care of this gift as i possibly can and it shows my gratitude to god that mm-hmm. he's given it to me
0: amen and i think that there is also um a beautiful development of virtue in that of seeing your body as a gift and <clears throat> Taking care of it to so that you can be at that maximum fruitfulness for as long as you possibly can, as long as God allows. But then you know things will happen and things will start to slow. Maybe um, everybody is going to be different. Everybody's going to have different health challenges, and God will allow different sufferings to to enter into our lives. But I do think that as approaching it from this state of gift, even when you do enter into maybe a quote unquote decline, mm-hmm. you can still you've built up now the virtue and the right mindset and view of your body to see even that as a gift and that the Lord is presenting something to you through that. And it's still profitable to you spiritually into our world to be able to Mm -hmm. unite that to him. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, it almost reminds me of where Paul talks about being content with abundance and in want. And we can, you know, obviously he was talking about money in that scripture verse, but it can happen with our health as well.
1: Absolutely. It totally can. And you know, one of the, one story, like I I don't share this very often, but actually I was born three months premature, like extremely premature oh, wow. in the 80s. When kids born that premature in the 80s did not live. Right. And so I was born less than three pounds. The next day I was down to one pound. I was in incubators and everyone was convinced that I was going to die. Like kids in the 80s did not live that prematurely. Right. And and I didn't die. And in fact, the nurses actually called me the miracle baby. I was the miracle baby on that ward. And like I'm sorry, like makes me cry thinking about it because I feel so profoundly grateful. Because not only did I survive and live, but I but I lived I I was strong. I grew up healthy. I I went to West Point. I was an army officer. I was like, I did these things Mm. that like, I look back on it and I'm like so profoundly grateful because I'm like,
0: God, why
1: did I live Mm. when so many babies born that prematurely died? And like, you know, I can never, like, I can never like not be grateful for the gift Mm. of this life that I've been blessed to have. And like, you know, when I had my children, I thought like, did i live so that i could be their mother like what was what was the purpose that you let me live like have this gift of this life for like i can never take it for granted
0: mm, that's so beautiful oh my goodness and yeah you had a you had a rough start <laughs> a start where all odds were against you and even in in that little tiny body god was working and protecting and then what a beautiful testimony to just his ability to heal and grow and strengthen you And then from that place, you know, how often does God do that where he takes something that is unpredictable and he does something huge with it, huge and unexpected with it? Yeah. And I love that you've taken that and just really internalized it and treat it for the gift that it is. How many of us could benefit from just similarly reflecting on that and asking, you know, what it is that he has called us two and, and four. And um, yeah, how beautiful. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, the last thing that I wanted to talk about today with just like this connection between money and health, you know, just to bring it back is like, like, you know, we we're talking that right now we might be young and strong and healthy, but there might be decline. Well, I think the same thing happens with Our health and with money, whereas, like, if we're in good health, we rely on it too much, or if we're Mm. if we have like extra money, we rely on it too much. Like, we can make we can actually we can absolutely make idols of both money and good health, where we're like, I don't need God because I'm wealthy, I don't need God because I can buy whatever I need, or I don't need God because. I'm healthy and strong and Mm -hmm. I can, I'm capable and I can handle things, you know? And of course there's this like, you know, again, it's, it's like blindness on our part because we're deluding ourselves. We're like, oh, I can do this. I can rely on myself. I can rely on my money. I can rely on my own strength. And it's like, um, (laughs) actually (laughs) that's like a really good way to set yourself up for failure. You're, Mm you're. Not going to be able to rely on those things.
0: It makes me think of an interview I watched with um, Warren Buffett and his business partner. Um, they were just—they did a panel discussion, and you know, we make it our business to kind of be in the know with what's happening in the finance world. Anyway, somebody had asked them, pitched them, like what how they define wealth, and of course, they were probably looking for an answer that dealt with money. Uh, but they actually dove into talking about how money is essentially nothing. That health is actually the the only wealth that really counts and matters because who cares if you have a ton of money? Um, it's all about health and being in good health. And Of course, when you have tons and tons of money, you can also have better access to things that keep you healthier maybe than other people. Mm-hmm. But it did make me think about how these two things, you're right, they they have the potential, not in and of themselves. Are they disordered? They're actually good. They're goods, but with because of the fall, because of concupiscence, we can always take something and hijack it for what it's not created for. <laughs> you know, that's almost Absolutely. like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a knack for that.
1: <laughs> I think all humans do, and so we can, and then we can start relying on those things mm-hmm. instead of relying on God. So they were like. They were close they, in that yes. panel. They were so close. They're like, yeah, your wealth isn't as important as your health. And then to just take that a step further, your health is never going to be as important as your relationship with God. And yes. so it's all like it's it's meant to be used and for that purpose, to help you draw closer and to fulfill those two great commandments of loving God and loving neighbor. Like that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to. And you can do that with your money. And you can do that with your habits of health, your physical health as well.
0: Amen. So, you know, we oftentimes, we recently even did a podcast episode just on, you know, recognizing the love of money, you know, and how it could present in your life, even if you don't have a ton of money. Because sometimes people think, oh, I've got to be, I've got to be Warren Buffett, you know, if I'm going to actually fall into the love of money. And that's just not true. And, you know, the same goes with health. You don't need to be at the peak epitome of all health to be slipping into making it an idol. Mm-hmm. Um, I I see, and I don't know if you see this on social media. Um, you know, the health and wellness industry has gotten a hold of social media very hardcore and loves to show different. Um, I don't know. There's always you know new takes on on this or that, or villainizing this or that. Um, you know what's trending in that in that sphere. And I do see some friends that I, I worry about because it looks like it's becoming an obsession.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: they're good Catholic women, but they have become a, like to an extent like obsessed, like depleting their family's resources unnecessarily, mm-hmm. um, restricting things Unnecessary, like they're they've, f- and I don't know how to approach those conversations, but how do you, being in that industry, you know, I know how I'd approach it from the financial standpoint if I saw this happening to friends financially. How do you help people spot if they've slipped into obsession or making it an idol?
1: Yeah, it, it's a really, it's a really like personal kind of thing. Like it has to be taken, I think, on a person by person basis. Um, And it does start with those just really reflective questions. Um, And sometimes it's helpful to have an outside perspective, like a friend or a coach to actually ask these questions, you know, about what their thoughts are surrounding, you know, this health. It's like, well, okay, are you choosing to restrict every single gram of carbohydrate that you have? Is this, what's the purpose? What's the goal? What are you going for? And if it's like, well, I just need to lose five more pounds. And it's like, well, what does losing five more pounds mean to you? Like, Mm -hmm. why is that even important? And it could very well be that there's like a valid reason. And it's like important for them for something like that. I don't know. It makes more sense. But like, it could also just be, well, I have a vacation coming up and I want to look nice in my swimsuit. And it's like, well, is that as important as... These other things that you're sacrificing in order to reach this goal. Sure. Because, you know, everything is just like cost benefit analysis, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's all a trade off. And, you know, like, for instance, I have kids and I have to make dinner for everyone every night. And it's a trade off. Like, I don't make two meals every night. I try to make a healthy meal that everyone will eat. But at the same time, like, there are things that I would probably want to make for our family dinner that are like (laughs) super healthy and involve a lot of fermented foods and stuff that like my kids are not going to eat. And I recognize (laughs) that. Like I know that that's probably, oh, I mean, maybe some people's kids do, but mine don't, you know? So, and and so I have to like compromise. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I am going to be making a sausage and kale soup, but I'm going to put potatoes in it because I know that my kids will eat potatoes and I need them to eat something. So it's, it's like a, it's like a trade-off and you know, you really have to ask yourself like, what am I sacrificing in order to reach this goal? Mm. And have I made the goal itself the, the destination, the mm. idol? Um, or is this goal a means to an end? And so I'm always trying to direct people to what is that end? you know mm-hmm. because i think it's fantastic like i want to help you have more energy i want to help you reach your ideal weight i want to help you think clearer and be sharper and use all the fun biohacks to get there you know like i want to help you do all of that but it's like okay now that you've got all of that like this was never the end point yes you know
0: i love that that you teased out the difference of not pursuing it as an end in itself but as a means to something else and i think that most people want that to be the journey Um, and this is a, this is a completely different conversation, but I do think social media and it's been proven now of just the use of the algorithm and how it customizes it to you. It's creating almost like vortexes to send you down (laughs) until you become obsessed because if they can obsess you over whatever topic it is, they just keep you on the app longer. And we, you know, that's an, that's an entirely different conversation of recognizing that, we have got to have limits in place, even if it's around passionate topics, mm-hmm. because these um, apps want to harm us.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm back to self awareness again and again and again, and like how many times a day you have to catch yourself thinking mm-hmm. or doing or whatever it is. It's like it's just that awareness that using your intellect, using your will to just be like wait, what am I doing right now? Am I, I'm going down an Instagram rabbit hole. Like, okay, I need to stop this. I mean, I'm going to put this down. I'm going to go play with my kids because, you know, or whatever it is that you're going to do. Just that awareness is the first step really. And I think the more we can all grow in that, in that skill, really, it's a skill of just being aware and it's the same skill set that you use when you're going to like avoid eating cookies in your pantry, you know, mm-hmm. like, you Like go to your pantry, you pull out the bag of cookies, you're about to start eating a cookie. And then you're like, why am I in my pantry eating cookies right now? And you're like, oh, well, I'm stressed out. I'm having this thing go on the whatever. And it's like, okay, well, now we're at the level where we can actually deal with it where we can Mm -hmm. bring out that craving into the light and see what it's all about what's happening with you and you know you can make a choice like if you still decide i'm still gonna have a cookie like you're a grown-up you do what you want but you get to make an informed decision instead Mm -hmm. of just living your life on autopilot Mm.
0: amen tell us about this lenten challenge that you're running
1: Okay, so I am running a Lenten challenge right now called the Missio Parada Lenten Challenge. And Missio Parada is Latin for mission ready. So again, the whole point of the challenge is to help you increase your capacity to be a fit instrument in the hands of God to fulfill your mission, whatever that is. So, um, and, and by the way, you don't have to know that before you start in the challenge. You know, sometimes God reveals it along the way. But basically what we are doing for the Mishio Prada Challenge is we've got um, physical components and prayer components. So the physical components are, you know, a disciplined diet and fasting on Fridays. If if we're able, if you're pregnant or nursing or you have, you know, a history of eating disorder, you're not fasting. But like if you're able to incorporating some more fasting on Fridays of the challenge, um, there's A component of sleep, just getting seven to eight hours of sleep every night, or at least a sleep opportunity window so that you could be sleeping. And then physical movement, getting about 30 minutes of movement in your day. And it can be broken up throughout the day, like whenever you can fit it in. So we're coupling that, like taking super good care of your body, those physical practices with really deep and powerful prayers. So part of the challenge is praying the rosary every day. And also committing to doing 30 minutes of Lectio Divina. And I train people in the challenge, like how to do that and what that is. Because honestly, as you're um, conditioning your body, you're getting stronger. You're getting more energy. You have this. Well, now when you bring that to a deep and powerful prayer using, you know, you're getting all the graces of the rosary and then you're getting all of the, you know, insights and wisdom of Lectio Divina where the Holy Spirit can really guide you. To action, it's like, okay, now you can really hear what God might be calling you to do. And so that's the whole point of the Missio Prada Challenge. It's just this journey together during Lent where we're just preparing ourselves for whatever it is, because that's what Lent is, right? It's preparation. All of mm-hmm. these 40 day periods in scripture, like this is always a period of preparation followed by mission. It's preparation and then mission. And so that's what we're doing in the Missio Prada Challenge.
0: I love it. Where can um, people go to sign up for that?
1: So it's at a thrivingcatholic.com forward slash Lent. And yeah, you can join even if it's like the last week of Lent when you hear this, you can join at any time and come on in. We've got a great community of women going through it.
0: Yeah. And even if somebody is listening to this a year from now, you know they could also probably go sign up. I don't know if you'll still have it active, but I think um, I'll
1: do it every year. Like, it feels like something I should probably just do again. <laughs>
0: there you go. Um, and then, if people want to follow up with you and your ministry, where can they learn more?
1: Yeah. So, you can visit my website at thrivingcatholic.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, just at a thriving Catholic.
0: Very good. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for joining us in this conversation. If you would like to follow up with her, uh, you heard her mention her website. We'll drop those in links in the show notes as well. So you can go and scope her out, shoot her a DM. Until next time, bye for now. This podcast is part of the Spokestreet
1: Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.